0: Hello and welcome to Sacred Wit in our Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast. We are glad that you are here with us for another week.
2: I'm Pastor Nathan Mugas, pastor here at Elk River Lutheran.
3: I'm Lisa Sampson, director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministry.
2: Jeremy Hulkus, minister of congregational care and discipleship. And I'm Taylor Quinn, the director of music and worship. Yes, and today we continue our journey with David.
0: David, almost perfect, but not quite. And uh, tonight is a special special focus on the not quite part uh, because this is a big discretion of David and so uh, our theme for tonight is the man in the mirror and we're going to be talking about the story of David and Bathsheba And then what comes after that, the story of David and Nathan, the prophet. And so last week we talked about David being on the run. Uh, We'll just do a little catch up here. David was on the run from King Saul because King Saul had decided that he wanted to kill David because David was getting too popular and uh, he is the king. He should be the most popular. And so uh, he's on the run. Saul finally eventually catches up to David a few times. They have little interactions. And ultimately, David comes out looking pretty good, sparing Saul's life. Saul comes out looking pretty bad because he kills a bunch of innocent people. Uh, well, fast forward a little bit. And uh, King Saul and all but one of his sons uh, die in battle with the Philistines. And so Saul now is, is dead. Uh, one of his uh, sons takes over the throne of part of the kingdom but then david takes over another part david prays to god says god what should i do and god sends him to hebron to claim uh, the southern portion of the throne and so this is where the kingdom of israel gets split into two parts and uh, just to make it a little confusing it gets split into two parts the northern part is israel the southern part is judah And then ultimately, then David will unite the kingdoms once again, and it'll be called Israel. (laughs) See where that gets a little confusing? Uh, We're talking about the nation of Israel, but when it gets split in two, it's split into uh, the northern part, Israel, the southern part, Judah. And uh, that Judah is what David will become uh, king of, but uh, Saul's son, uh, that, uh, that son that's left living, Ishbal, Uh, he becomes uh, king of the northern part, the king of Israel of the north. And uh, ultimately, though, uh, he will be assassinated. Uh, The Bible doesn't say David was involved with that assassination, but um, it seems likely that maybe he was. Uh, We don't know uh, from the Bible anyway. Um, but then that leads David to ultimately reuniting those two parts of the kingdom. And so David becomes king. And so one of the places we hear about this, uh, David becoming king and the length of his reign, is from Second Samuel chapter 5, the first five verses. So Taylor, why
1: don't you read those few verses for us, if you would. You bet. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time, while Saul was king over us, it was you who let led out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people Israel, you who shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years.
0: Yeah, and so uh, that last little bit gets to some of the history of David's reign, starting with reigning over a portion of the kingdom in Hebron and then uh, moving to Jerusalem, the capital where he reigns over all of Jerusalem, or all of Israel, uh, the United Kingdom, as uh, as one nation. And so, uh, yeah, and so that's where we pick up on our story for today. We kind of fast-forwarded through a lot of uh, David's early reign, because we're going to pick up on uh, David and Bathsheba's story, and uh, the fallout from that, and uh, but... The bottom line is david has become king and and that's where we pick up on this story it it wasn't a smooth uh takeover necessarily from Paul uh from uh saul to david there there was that transition some civil war time uh and it, it was a little messy but ultimately david becomes king and that's where we meet david in this story is as king so shall we talk about our story for today <clears throat>
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to ERLC Reader's Theater. Today we'll be listening to an adaptation of 2 Samuel chapters 11 and
0: 12. I'm David. I can't sleep. I'm lying here in my bed. I'm just not tired. You know what? I think
2: I'll go for a walk. On a nighttime stroll on his rooftop, King David stops to admire the city view.
0: What a beautiful city I have here in Jerusalem. And speaking of beautiful hubba, hubba, I see someone out there on their roof at night. Who is that? Wow, is she pretty. I wonder who
1: she is. Servants, come here. Yes, my lord, the king. What can I do for you?
0: Do you see that woman over there?
1: The, the one taking a bath on the roof?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, of course, that is the one. Go
0: and
2: find out who she is. Yes, my lord. David was hoping she was an eligible young maiden that he could take to be another one of his wives. Back in those days, kings were allowed to have lots of wives so they could have lots of children, but they could not steal other men's wives. This was forbidden by God in God's commandments.
1: My lord the king, I have disturbing news. She is a married woman. Her name is Bathsheba, and, you're, and you already know her husband. He is Uriah the Hittite, one of your warriors.
0: Ah, I don't care. I want her as a wife anyway. I think, uh, I'll think of some way to arrange it. So just, just bring her to me immediately. I want
2: to meet her. Yes, my lord the king. When Bathsheba arrived, it was love at first sight for David. He insisted that she stay for the rest of the evening so that he could be intimate with her. Due to David's indiscretion, Bathsheba became pregnant. David sends for Uriah, knowing that Bathsheba is fertile, and plans for Uriah to go home to his wife, hoping that by doing so, Uriah will think that the baby is his. Uriah refuses to indulge in any luxuries while his troops are in the battlefield suffering. Smart man. And David, knowing that his deceitful plan would fail, plots to have Uriah killed in battle. Hmm,
0: Uriah is out fighting in the war right now. If he happened to die in battle, Bathsheba would then be a widow. Widows are allowed to get married, so Bathsheba would
2: then marry
0: me. Hmm, perhaps Joab could help me out a bit.
2: David sent a letter to Joab, and it said... Put Uriah
0: on the front line where the fighting is the most fierce. Then withdraw from him so
2: that he will be struck down and die. Joab was faithful to David. He did not question David's motives. And now Uriah obeyed. And just as David hoped, Uriah was killed by the Ammonites.
3: My lord, the king, I have a message from Joab. Here is the news how the battle is going. He says that the attack near the wall was a disaster and that among the dead is Uriah the Hittite. Oh,
0: golly, shucks. Well, send a message back to Joab and tell him that I am not upset. I know that even brave soldiers can die in battle. Tell Joab not to be discouraged and to keep on fighting.
3: Yes, my lord, I will deliver the message to Joab.
2: Now, with Uriah gone, David thought his problems were over. After Bathsheba went through the customary weeks of mourning for her husband, David brought her to his palace and married her. He was happy to have Bathsheba there, and soon she had a baby. David thought everything had turned out just fine in the end, but God was not pleased. David had stolen another man's wife, then ordered him to be killed. He had broken God's commandments, and God told the prophet Nathan to go to David and confront him about his grievous sin.
1: Here ends ERLC. Reader's Theater.
2: Ay
0: caramba, this story is a juicy one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am curious, uh, what do you all know or remember of this story? This is a story that's familiar to a lot of folks uh, from hearing different versions of it. Maybe it's a more sanitized version. Maybe it's the real, like, raunchy version with all the details that's actually in the Bible. Uh, but where are you all at with this story? Where have you heard it before, or what do you think about it now? Growing,
3: Comes... gro- I'm sorry. Go Growing ahead. up, um, Bathsheba was a hussy. <laughs> oh, sure. word that my grandparents would have used. Yeah. yeah, she was the bad guy in this whole right. thing, tempting mm-hmm. David. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How dare she? How dare she?
1: Boy, that makes me think about what what message I had received. I just remember, I have in my mind, there's a picture that I have in mind of David overlooking, um, overlooking from his palace Mm -hmm. to a rooftop that's lower than him and seeing this beautiful woman in a bath. That's Mm -hmm. that's what I remember. Yep. Mm -hmm. But that's actually a really good question for me to ask
2: myself. What do I remember? Is Bathsheba the bad one? Right. I remember the sanitized Mm -hmm. David version too that like... We didn't talk about David's actually goes and has this guy murdered ultimately. Um, sure. Bathsheba's uh, spouse. And so the version was just that, you know, Uriah went to battle and was killed and wham, the story's over. Yeah. Um, and it was so sanitized that now reading the actual version, you kind of go, ooh, that's cringeworthy. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I mean, David's a real sleaze in it. You know, I think, you know, with
2: with modern sensibilities,
0: you know, we would see this as like, he didn't fall in love with her immediately that like she was not you know a willing participant in this story that like i mean he's the king so you had said earlier when we were talking, there's a bit of a power dynamic at work here right where um the king is going to get whatever he wants and what he wants uh, he's thinking very short term and very selfishly about just you know that what he wants is actually a person <laughs> right. and and that gets even lost kind of in the biblical telling of it i think that right. the, you know, i think the bible does justice to that you know okay she was married so david shouldn't have done this it doesn't do as good a justice to the fact that she is a human being who deserved to be treated better just for that reason alone
2: right right and like so the story sort of we're picking up pieces of it where we're reading but we're missing the fact that david has three wives already <laughs> right i mean so polygamy is very real yeah mm-hmm. and then oh i see this thing i'm gonna make it my possession right. um but,
3: well, women were possessions. Yeah, right. They were property.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, it just gets messier and messier the more you realize what the, the depth of the story really is. Yeah,
0: Three wives? I can't even handle the one I have.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, yeah okay.
0: Was this, <laughs> is this out. the
1: first <laughs> example of David being not quite perfect in the, in the Chronicle of Things? Is this the first instance where we're seeing David as not such a good
2: person?
0: Certainly the biggest and boldest yeah. example. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think it's, it confronts David's sort of personal story. I mean, he becomes sort of this, the villain of the chapter. Um, whereas we see David sort of having these flubs along the way, but nothing significant enough to even really take notice.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I think really the only other examples I can think of that I would look at and be like, oh, I'm not so sure. Like, I mean, he does murder and kill a lot of people. <laughs> um, But they're the bad people, right? And he's doing it in defense of his people or innocence, in a sense. And so, you know, I I think that's a little blurred. So, I mean, in that sense, this is the first big, you know, for the most part, David has been, you know, grace-filled and, you know, really on the side of what God would want is how the story's been told. And this is the first time where he is on the opposite side of what God is calling for. And and that yeah and that's where the prophet nathan enters in
2: and it i think an important one to talk about is the um david's first wife michael enters the story very early on we kind of covered saul's gives the first kid but says oh no just kidding you get my second daughter you know this is the one you're going to marry um and when saul is chasing and pursuing david michael is given away to another philistine person like just kind of given away um, Saul gives takes the marriage and says yeah whatever and somebody else can have my daughter and right before this David and Bathsheba text we find that um, Michael is requested back by David and he says well I want her and I'll do it for the price of a hundred Philistine foreskins so yes it's in the Bible I really do yes. mean it's in the Bible um, It's but it's so funny like this is David's character um, I'm going to trade a woman for foreskins.
0: Yeah, so he doesn't have a squeaky clean record yeah. in the in the lady department. <laughs> um,
2: uh, but uh, yeah,
0: it's super weird exchange, and right. you know, and it is it does get at that, you know, that whole notion that women are property more than people, uh, right. the way they're talked about in these stories.
1: Right. Boy, and, what a what a thing to remember and to know that back then it was. I'm thinking, okay, so if a king has kids, I'm curious what goes on in his head when he discovers he has a daughter versus a son. I'm just imagining that if the king has a son, oh, great, Mm -hmm. heir to the throne. A daughter,
2: oh, great, I can get things with her. Yeah, Like, I could purchase things with her. Sure. Well, and we're leaving out concubines, too. So it's not just <laughs> right. wives, yeah. it's also those the other people that he decides he wants to be with, and that's the right of a king. Right. Um, and again, you are talking about women as possession in this story, and that becomes the sort of catalyst for David's poor decisions.
0: Yeah. So ultimately, uh, Nathan will enter and call David out on, uh, on all of these indiscretions in this story. And so one of the kind of funny questions we were thinking about and talking about was this. How many commandments did David break in this whole uh, oh, exchange? Goodness. Well, we played out in the Reader's Theater. Uh, you all can chime in here. Uh, but uh, uh, So when you think about the Ten Commandments, <laughs> there's ten. How many uh, did he break? And of course, the first three are about our relationship with God. The next seven are uh, our relationship with one another. So that's the categories where he's probably breaking the most. Anyone want to start ticking off? What are the ones he broke?
3: Thou shalt not kill.
2: Mm-hmm. Coveting neighbor's go. wife.
3: Coveting neighbor's wife. Steal. Mm-hmm.
2: I think he makes himself a god. I mean, not necessarily... Sure. You know, yeah. I can do what I want to do. I'm, I'm in charge. Yeah, that's um, lying. Number yep. one. Yep, number one. Mm-hmm.
1: Bearing false witness.
3: Yeah. Adultery.
1: Mm-hmm. What else are there? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, isn't there one coveting neighbor's possessions... And coveting Mm -hmm. neighbor's wife, right? So, I mean, that's two of them. Because in this case, they were one in the same.
0: I suppose you could make an argument that he wasn't really honoring his mother and father very much in this whole exchange. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. But
3: yeah, he. And if he did it on a Sunday? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the Sabbath, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, Beth, she was
1: in the bath on
0: Sunday. uh, That was was her cleaning day. Sunday evening. (laughs) I mean, it's remarkable. He really does it bad, right? I mean, right. he really, really, when he when David finally falls from grace, <laughs> it makes a big splash. He breaks mm-hmm. almost all of them. Yep. Yeah,
3: go beg or go home. Yeah,
0: and so that's where enter in Nathan <laughs> the prophet. Nathan, the Nathan. hero, the prophet of the story. <laughs> it's all about Nathan. It's all about Nathan. I him. think Nathan I'm just liable, got a
1: halo like around his head right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a
0: little crowded over lighting, here on this uh, end of the table. <laughs> yes. Top lighting. Which brings me to... We've got a game, folks. Now, this game is called Name That Famous Nathan. And... I'm really excited about our game here today. And uh, for this game, you know, for previously y'all haven't worked against each other as much. you kind of worked together sometime. Okay. This one, it's every man and woman for themselves, oh, no. okay? So I'm going to need you to practice uh, chiming in, like with a, a hand raise and a, and a ding sound, uh, if you're ready to answer, <laughs> oh, okay? No. okay? Because you can feel free to interrupt me at any time uh, oh. during the reading of the question okay. and uh, shoot a hand up and go a ding. Can, can, we, can we practice, Lisa? Can we hear your ding? ding? Jeremy? Ding, ding. Okay, all right. I think we're ready to go. So, this game is Name That Famous Nathan. And uh, here we go. Number one, this famous Bong Nathan. Mugas. Oh, that's a good guess. Uh, but I'm sorry, that is incorrect. That is a good one, though. Um, all right, this famous Nathan is an American actor and writer who has been seen on stage and screen in many roles, including Elbert in *Bird*, The Birdcage.
3: Ding. And uh, Nathan Lane.
0: Nathan
3: oh. Lane. That
0: is correct. Also, wow. Max in The Producers. Nathan Lane. One point for Lisa. All right. Next. This famous Nathan was an American soldier and spy for the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War. He volunteered for an intelligence gathering. Hawthorne? That is incorrect. Nathan Hawthorne is a famous writer.
3: I know, but I thought he did other things too. (laughs) No,
0: maybe, but no. Afraid not. No, this Nathan uh, was on an intelligence gathering mission in New York City but was captured by the British and executed. Evolutionary I know War this, but history, I don't. man. If it's not in the musical Hamilton, we right. just don't know it these days. <laughs> about that era. Oh, I give up. Okay, three seconds. Three, two,
2: one.
0: Oh, okay. That was Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale, oh. famous American in history. Okay, I hope some of you all out there uh, listening Do better than that. us. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next. This fictional Nathan is the protagonist of the book series by Marjorie L. Charmot and goes by the title, Nate the Blank.
2: Ding, ding. Nate the Great?
0: Nate the Great, yes. One of my favorite book series as a kid because, you know, Nate the Great. What was it? Oh, it's called Nate, Nate the, the great. great. Yes, it was a series. He was kind of a detective kid. and solved <laughs> oh. mysteries. Very yeah, good and One story. point for me.
2: How do you know yes. that?
0: Did you grow up with it, too? I remember, but barely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're getting down. Just a couple questions left, so uh, the pressure is on, especially for Taylor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This famous Nathan is known for his great voice, showcased in songs like Mona Lisa, Ramble in Rose, and his rendition of the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Oh, bong, bong.
1: Bong, bong, bong. Oh, Uh, That's Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole. Oh, yes, it's sneaky. I was hoping you put in a music one.
0: He did it on purpose. Wow, I did not know that. It's uh, Nathan Adams Cole. Oh, cool. But uh, Nat King Cole sounds way cooler. So it's a good change, yeah. All right, last one. This is for all the marbles. We've got a three-way right. <laughs> tie going here. Yes. yes. So uh, here we go. And remember, you can chime in whenever you're confident that you know the answer. Got so, it. Originally hailing from New York's Coney Island, this, Nathan, is a brand of the much-loved grilled or steamed food where the sausage is served
3: ding, ding. in... Nathan's
0: hot dogs. Uh, judges, can we oh, accept man. that? No. I'm afraid we can't. I'm afraid we can well, There's a key part missing. Uh, so this is the oh. grilled or steamed food where the sausage is served in the split of a
2: partially sliced bun. Oh, ding, ding. Nathan's coney dogs. Oh, also incorrect. Ah. Uh... <laughs>
3: come on you can do it
0: Taylor Taylor. do you have a guess
1: oh did you finish it there's no more clues that is is it nathan's kosher dogs no no
0: (laughs) i will remind you all the name of the game is name that famous (laughs) nathan's
1: nathan's famous hot (laughs) (laughs) dog.
0: nathan's famous (laughs) hot dog is (laughs) the name so congratulations you're all winners
2: thanks for playing everybody and if nobody knows that song is istanbul constantinople (laughs) It's Nathan. inspired. I was it was by Nat yeah. Mugas. <laughs> it's ins- Mugas. No, there we go. It's inspired, but uh, it is not a direct right. copy.
0: Okay, so uh, no. all righty. Well, uh, another famous Nathan is the Prophet Nathan from Second Samuel. Uh, but uh, there are many other famous Nathans, but not as many as you might think if you're trying to put together a game that is uh, somewhat that's guessable. A harder than we think. <laughs> it turned out it was. so. Uh, but I actually had to convince my wife Annie and uh, her brother Paul that there was actually someone named Nathan in the Bible. Uh, they really didn't believe it. They're like, no, that's like saying that there's a Barbara in the Bible. There's <laughs> not. And I'm like, well, no, actually, there is a Nathan in the Bible. Uh, he's a prophet, and he shows up in uh, 2 Samuel, uh Starting with verse to chapter twelve to call out David, and so we kind of talked about the roles of prophets earlier with Samuel uh, showing up on the scene as the first prophet of the Old Testament, uh, anointing the kings. Um, but then now Nathan enters as the first prophet, you know, to really call the king to task when there's a big indiscretion. And so, Nathan comes in shortly after this whole, you know, story that we've just read of David and Bathsheba. And we're going to actually just be reading straight from the text uh, because this Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 12, uh, it tells the story of what happens next and the way Nathan calls out David for this in kind of a creative way um, and then passes the judgment of God upon David and his house. So, uh, yeah, Lisa's going to start us off here. This is, like I said, Second Samuel chapter 12, starting at the first verse.
3: But the thing that David did displeased the Lord, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. The prophet Nathan tells a parable. There were two men, one rich, one poor. The rich man had everything. The poor man only had one little lamb who had grown up with his family, was dearly loved, and was like a child to the poor man. Now a traveler came to visit the rich man the rich man didn't want to harm one of his many sheep to offer a meal to the traveler so he takes the poor man's lamb and gives it to the guest
1: and then david's response in second samuel 12 5 through 6 then david's anger was greatly kindled against the man he said to nathan as the lord lives the man does uh, the man who has done this deserves to die he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing, and because
2: he had no pity. And so Nathan says to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, for you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up trouble against you from within your own house, and it will take your wives before your eyes, and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this very sun, For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned
0: against the Lord. Nathan said to David, Now the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, Because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child that is born to you shall die. And so uh, all of these things that are predicted here come to pass. The first son of David and Bathsheba does die. Uh, The sword does not leave David's household. He will be... In, in war for the rest of his life and reign as king. And uh, he does have many major troubles within his house. Uh, ultimately, even a civil war as one of his sons, uh, you know, goes to war against him. And so um, it all comes to pass. Uh, but, you know, when you go back, it's this really kind of interesting way that Nathan brings the judgment upon David and Sets David up to even pass judgment upon himself with that t- telling of that parable um, by saying, you know, hey, this uh, you know, rich guy who had everything steals this one thing that the poor guy had, and David, you know, David is like outraged, like, oh, who could do such a thing, you know, and and Nathan is able to say, well, David, you are the man and not in that cool, awesome way that we sometimes say that you're the man in this story who is stealing from the guy who had that one thing, that one thing being uh, his wife, again, kind of troubling and problematic that they're referring to women as property as things, but uh, uh, the point is made here. And so um, one of the things that, as we were thinking about this theme, we were drawn to the, the song, Man in the Mirror, you know, the Michael Jackson song as those lyrics you know, kind of tell a story of someone looking in the mirror and realizing that to make the world a better place, it starts with, with me. And that ultimately becomes David's story is really one of self-examination. I think Jeremy had kind of said that best. He said, You know, For the rest of his life, it's so much about self-examination, realizing when he has gone afoul and how he can correct those actions. And we see that in all these songs. That might have been why he wrote so much music Hmm. and poetry, is him processing all of these different life things. And so uh, we're going to hear a little bit of the song, Man in the Mirror, as a way of thinking about this story and this turnaround of David. Because David does repent, uh, but there's still consequences in that, too but it does reshape how he moves forward. So Taylor's going to uh, do his little uh, rendition of uh, Man in the Mirror for us now.
1: I'm gonna make a change for once a month. gonna make it bright as I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat the wind is blowing my mind I see the kids in the street not enough to eat who am I to be blind pretending not to see disregard a broken bottle top and a one man soul they follow each other on the wind you know cause they got A look at yourself then make that change.
0: Taylor, yeah. Um, well, what do y'all think? Any, any words from that whole uh, song kind of jump out to you when we think about this story?
2: Yeah, I love that first chorus, um, or the first verse, sorry. But that this sort of seeing and witnessing who is who's out there in the world. Uh, yeah. This is David's story. I mean, we read last week this, the people that are drawn to David when David is on the run and hiding are the people the world wants to forget, the those in debt, the poor, the needy, the homeless. Uh, those are the people that surround David. Um, yeah. And yet David's care of them becomes almost compromised in this story. Yeah, I think that's the part of David's story when Jesus gets tied to
0: David. That's, that's the big part of the reason why. It's not because of his indiscretions like the David and Bathsheba story. Right. It's because there was that element of who he was that he... Was there for the people who were forgotten, and uh, and helped those who needed help. You know, one of the lines I scribbled down here as I was hearing it was, uh, "Victim of that selfish love." You know, I'm a victim of that selfish love. One of the things that uh, Jeremy and our pre-conversations had, had pointed out that really stuck with me too was that, you know, Saul's selfishness is ultimately his downfall, and you know, it's the lack of selfishness that makes David so great. Until the story that we talk about today where his selfishness becomes his downfall that, that gets stretched for the rest of his reign with maybe one big caveat, and that is that he does spend the rest of that reign in self-examination where, you know, he, it's not that he won't screw up again. He maybe doesn't screw up as big again, but, um, but he does screw up again. But when he does, he, he goes and he reflects on that, that, that error. Um, and one of the air places where we hear him reflecting on error is Psalm 51, which is how we wanted to draw to a close here today uh, with these verses of Psalm 51, a psalm that we often read on, uh, on Ash Wednesday within our uh, Christian tradition and liturgical um, tradition, which is you know, entering in the season of Lent, a season of contemplation and reflection on our own sinfulness. Uh, And uh, this is a psalm that's always a part of that service uh, because it it carries that, that, that theme and goes right along with this story from tonight.
1: Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin.
2: For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence, and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in my inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me
0: with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities.
3: Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit.
0: With these words of Psalm 51, we leave you here today. God bless everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week.
1: Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.